This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It's meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Hello and welcome to SuperAge. My name is David Harry Stewart. I'm the founder of Aegist. At SuperAge, we help you live better and become the best version of yourself. And who doesn't want a SuperAge? Welcome to episode 34 of the SuperAge podcast. This will be dropping on May the 6th, 2021. Great to have you with us here today. So last weekend, I went to see my mom. And my mom is 90. I haven't seen my mom in a year and a half. We've been planning a visit uh, just before COVID hit, and then I haven't seen her since then. So a lot of talks on the phone, but um, nothing in person. And now I'm vaccinated, my wife's vaccinated, my mom's vaccinated, and, you know, it can have sort of a normal family weekend. It was really lovely. And, you know, I just want to tell you a little bit about my mom. So mom's 90, and, you know, in the last year and a half, she's gotten a little creakier, um, it's a little harder for her to get around, more aches and pains. But hey, she's 90. Um, and you know, one of the things I've noticed being around my mom, and, and I, I just want to give mom credit here. Like the reason there is the Super Age podcast and the reason that we pay so much attention to health and wellness and living better is because I learned it from my mom. Uh, she's really... Like an extraordinary example. And so I'm just going to tell you like a couple of things that she taught me um, that were so evident when I was there. The first thing is be busy. <laughs> her, she doesn't have any white space on her calendar. I mean, it takes her a couple of hours to kind of get up and get going in the morning. Um, and then she's booked straight through the day. She's got phone calls, she's got Zoom calls, she's meeting people, she's got to go places. She's a busy person, and in fact, when I said, hey, we're all vaccinated, we can come and see you, she had to clear up her calendar to make time for us. And this is a woman who's 90 who lives alone. She lost her husband about three years ago, which was, you know, can you imagine at 87 losing your husband? That's a, a really momentous event. And, and she's doing great. So first thing, <laughs> stay busy. Um, second thing, it's all about taking care of your health. I mean, she's just... She's been really fastidious about that for, you know, about half a century, and it's, and it's paying off. The third thing, uh, really clear to me, believe in something bigger than yourself. My, my mom's very active in her church, actually two churches, and, you know, for her that's, that's very important. And I don't, I don't think it's that critical that um, one belong to a religion, if, but if one does, that's great. The, the important thing is to know there's just like something more important out there than you, <laughs> which takes a lot of the pressure off. And the last thing is she's really involved in helping other people. That's why she's so busy. She's just constantly talking to people and helping them out and giving advice. So those are, um, and take naps. Mom's big on naps. <laughs> those are, that's the advice from my 90-year-old mom on how to live better. This week on Super Age, it's Stroke Awareness Month, and we're going to have my good friend Sean Enton on. Sean is also known as the Stroke Hacker, and he had a, just a cataclysmic stroke at the age of 40, and he had to like rebuild his brain from like the ground up over the last nine years, and it's been quite a journey. So we're going to hear a lot about that, and it's, he especially has some great things to say for the caregivers of people who've had a stroke or traumatic brain injury. And there's a lot of that out there. So we're going to get to Sean in just a moment, right after a word from our sponsor. Stroke is the third leading cause of death for women. And each year, 55,000 more women than men have a stroke. According to the National Stroke Association, each year, stroke kills twice as many women as breast cancer. In a recent study by our partner, Genève, one in three women reported taking less care of themselves on a daily basis, with a more majority citing work schedules and not enough time in the day is the main reason. Genev offers a modern approach to women's health and wellness for the second half of life. 
With telehealth services in 50 states, their team consists of OBGYNs, naturopathic doctors, and registered dietitians that double as health coaches. Their treatment options include prescription medications, natural solutions, and supplement recommendations, along with lifestyle behaviors for your symptom relief. If you need lab work or in-office procedures, they will help you find a provider. Genev cares about your hormonal health, your emotional health, your heart, your bones, and your brain. Visit Genev.com today. Genev is G-E-N-N-E-V.com today, where new members receive 20% off everything, which includes wellness products and telehealth services. With code SUPERAGE20, S-U-P-E-R-A-G-E-20, now through May 31st, 2021. Does not include subscription or save plans. Hey, Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dave. So you had, you've got quite a story, man. Um, and I want you to tell us a little bit about when, when, was your, when was your stroke? When was that event? 2011. 2011. Yeah, November of, it was Black Friday of 2011. Black Friday, well named. Um, yeah, right. Exactly. And paint us a picture. What was your life like pre-stroke? Uh, what I saw myself as, that, that's, um, it was entrepreneur, strong male, alpha male, husband at the time, father to two daughters, you know, lived my life in San Diego. You know, I, I, I was involved with two companies that we took from private to public. Shaquille O'Neal was one of my partners. I mean, it was just, I was, I was hanging out with the Navy SEALs and the Marines in San Diego and just building a community. And I thought everything was perfect. Yeah. So then uh, take me up to the, uh, the cause of the stroke. What, what, what do you think caused that? Okay. So um, the stroke, okay. So because I, I would work out with the SEALs and then I had um, a good amount of experience with the uh, UFC and the fight game in jujitsu because I managed some uh, uh, fighters way back in the day, MMA guys. And I, I, I realized that, 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 that the SEALs did, did, had no training, had no hand-to-hand combat experience, and they wanted to learn it. And the reason is because our military spends $8 million a year, $8 million per Navy SEAL from boots to combat. They do not want them within front of three feet of anybody. So these guys are jonesing and wanting to learn how to fight and I was the avenue or the messenger, I would say, of service to them, introduced them to Dan Henderson, who was in San Diego at the time, who actually had the belts. And they started to train with Dan and they loved that. But then I started to, to train with them too. One day I got caught in a choke where my carotid artery on, my, on the right side of my neck got squished and dissected. So I didn't know what had happened, but, but in, in jujitsu, it's common to get you know choked out or... Um, arm lock or whatever it is, but this happened to be a wind choke where the pressure came down on my neck and basically suffocated me until I passed out. It mm. happens all the time. It's common. Nothing strange about any of these moves. I go home on that night and told Stephanie at the time, I said, my neck is killing me. Something's going on. I thought it was a swollen gland. I didn't really, I didn't really know, you know, here I am run, running around being immortal. And um, what had happened was the carotid artery started to just tear apart. Mm. Six weeks later, I'm in San Luis Obispo, which is probably about three hours north of San Diego in California, hanging out, hanging out with, uh, with our friends for Thanksgiving. And uh, just so it turns out, David, that drank too much wine maybe on that day, but that night I woke up from my sleep and the room was spinning. Everything was just off. And I was like, oh, I'm just hungover, too much wine, who cares? I'll get, I'll get, this, this is gonna be over soon. I, I um, walked to the restroom, I passed out, went and put out my right arm, did not see my right hand, I couldn't get spatial distance. And I looked at my face and my, the left side of my face was drooping. Mm. Couldn't, li- couldn't lift my left arm. And all of a sudden I see my soul leaving my body. It was like this um, ET, kind of experience where it's just like, what is actually happening? I actually saw this energy being sucked out of me. How did that feel? I mean, uh, it was, I still sweat over. I I still get scared of that because I mean, it's just one of these things that you don't really know is possible until you're dying. Yeah. And, and I was dying. I I was fully, I mean, I was going to be dead within seconds. My uh, Stephanie called my dad and my dad was a doctor at the time. 
said, I think my son's having a stroke. She told me this and, and I said to her, what is a stroke? Because I was still conscious. Mm. I come in and out of consciousness. EMT sh uh, showed up there, took me to one hospital. They, they couldn't do anything for me. They just didn't know what to do. Santa Barbara was the nearest stroke center or neuro center, which was an hour away by um, ambulance. Had I jumped in the ambulance, I would have died. They, they met of that. They sent a helicopter, not even knowing what was going on. Got in the helicopter just in time. Airvac to Santa Barbara, where there happened to be a neurosurgeon in the ER at that moment. Are, and are you conscious during this time, Sean? I am, David. I'm coming in a, out of consciousness. I'm losing it. I'm understand. I'm, you know, I'm trying to get, I'm trying, I'm trying to fight this headache. And it was just, it's just, it was just nauseating pain, horrible pain. Um, this, this doctor did some invasive maneuvers and saved my life. He put a shunt in my throat, stopped the clots from, from, going, up, from going up there more. Then he tried to freeze me, which didn't work either. So he tried these two things first, then just to reduce the swelling in my brain because I was so badly swollen and inflamed. I just yeah. need to ask you, how do you put a shunt Okay, there. It's a catheter up up the um, hip, all the way up the arm in the into. It's a yeah, wow. it's, yeah. Literally, it was designed years before this happened to me. It wasn't even FDA approved at the time. Wow. So this doctor by second saved me there. I still declined rapidly. I was coming in and out of consciousness. So he said to me th three days post. I remember uh, my family saying, hey, you're going to go to sleep for a while. I'm like, I don't want to go to sleep. I'm like, David, let me just go work out. I just, I just, I just want to do my yoga. I want to go for a run. I want to hang out with my Navy SEALs. I got to get back to work. I've got my companies. I've got my kids. And they're saying, you got to go to bed. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, I went to sleep for 10 days. They, self, they gave me, they induced a coma on me because they didn't know what else to possibly do because I was so badly declining. I was going to die at any moment. Wow. So then they induced the coma. 10 days of that, and then um, that did not work either. So then they had to do what's called a craniectomy, which they had to remove a piece of the skull off my brain to, to, to let the skull, to let the brain kind of um, open up. So this whole piece of my skull was taken off my head. And when I woke up, I remember they actually stored it in, in the abdomen of my uh, stomach. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a lot. I know it, it I, there's so much to this. So, <laughs> so, so you're in the hospital and yeah. who is this guy that's like, um, figured Dr. out to do this? It's honor. Dr. honor. He, he was just taken over from Austria. He literally built the stroke center in Santa Barbara, nice community, a lot of money up there. And by luck, by luck of the draw, he was there for me. I mean, we looked at the numbers and the algorithms. I should not be here. David had this guy had the the amount of people, it's, I mean, it took a village and thousands of people to put me back together. That was just the first point. That, that was actually on, on the level of, of the comeback. That was easy for me. Harder on my family because they didn't know if I was going to make it or not. But that was the easy part for me because I'm on medications. You know, I'm coming in out of sleepness patterns. I'm, I'm losing my fucking mind. You know, I don't know. I can't really tell the, the difference between my physical body and my, and my, and my metaphysical body. So I'm trying to put the world, the worlds together and it's just one big trip. And, and is the damage still going on? At oh this yeah, point? absolutely. Well, yeah. At that point, the craniectomy happened. They still didn't know what the severity of, of, of my brain was because I haven't, you know, I just, I woke up from the coma after 10 days and um, had to come to terms with them telling me I'm paralyzed. And then I had a stroke and, and I didn't even understand them. My brain at, the, at 40 years old, David, was that of a three-year-old kid. I was not able to speak and not able to add, write, nothing. Nothing was coming together. I had to relearn everything all over again. Sean, what, what, when they were t why did they take the chunk off of your skull? Is that to relieve pressure? The look relieve the pressure, relieve the pressure. So there was bleeding in the brain. Is that what oh, was going? No bleeding in the brain. I had no bleeding in the brain. I just had a, I had a backup of, I, I, I had a clot. I, it clotted off. So, it, so oh. oxygen was going to my brain. Oh. So as you know, there's no blood and there's no oxygen going to the brain or any part of the body. That part of the body is going to die. Right. So, and that's what they thought was going to happen. They thought it was going to be a vegetable. They thought it was going to be, you know, the worst of the worst. Okay, so now you're, 
Your brain is good times. So you're, you're in the hospital, you got a chunk taken out of your skull and your brain, you're now three years old. Your brain yeah. has been back to a three-year-old. And how long are you in the hospital in Santa Barbara? Um, I see you up there for about three weeks until um, they got me to a place where they felt it was safe for me to leave. Then I got moved to San Diego where I lived at the time to a, an inpatient, a post-acute in, inpatient rehab facility, which was probably about for five months. When I got down, when I got down to uh, San Diego in the ambulance, I remember this neuropsychiatrist coming to see me and she looked at me and she goes, she did a couple of things like with her fingers. She goes, oh, your brain is dead and you don't think about walking for a long, long time or driving a car. And I looked at her with everything I still had. And I said, don't ever tell me I can't do anything. Don't ever say that again to me. And I fired her. I literally fired her and said, get out of my room. You're, you're done with me because I'm not going to have this mindset. I know the amount of work I have in front of me and F you for even being here. Wow. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, you're, you're cogent enough to have to fire the doctor. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it was my willpower. It was my willpower. Right. It was my why. And I did not want to settle on this body because I had a mindset to go. I was that I was that person before. But not but the person with arrogance and the asshole side of me and the mm. ego and the ego, which, you know, died you know, along, along the way, because, you know, you don't know what compassion is or kindness until you go through at least severe pain or trauma. Yeah. Identify with that. Um, so talk to me about, so you're down there and you're, you're now, uh, trying to heal your brain. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get some, something back. How does this, how are you interacting with your family? Like, how do they, how are they managing this? Uh, it's it's so hard on them, Dave. It's a, it's harder on them than than it was on me. I'm on meds. I'm I'm coming too slowly. They don't know what a caregiver is. There, no one knows what a care partner is. No one knows what they got to do for me because I am, I'm I'm paralyzed. The left. So imagine this, the left side of my whole body is gone. My hearing, my smell, my eyes. Nothing's working. I had to retrain it all, and it freaked out. You know, I think it was a factor or, or maybe a cause for my divorce. You know, Stephanie's still a wonderful mom, good friend of mine. But listen, it, it's, it, 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 it's a catastrophe of what actually happens to a family, which people don't realize, is you, no one knows it's going to, you know, really you know, wake up uh, one day, you sign on for this life, this great life, everything is good. You know, you have some stresses and anxiety, but your partner who comes home now is that the mind of a three-year-old kid in diapers. And in the and you can't walk, you can't do anything. It's a, it's really tough on everyone. Wow. And were you, like, how much emotion are you processing at this point? Oh, it is. It's it's psychotic. My brain is trying to fire. My body is firing. Everything's working against each other. Well, I I tried to make the comeback way too fast. I'm I'm in I'm inpatient post acute rehab at the at the time for about five to six months. They to teach me how to, you know, just use the toilet again, David, how to take a shower, how to brush my teeth, how, how to do everything that you and I take for granted. Take the, get up and walk, get up and move. I mean, it was some of the hardest, most difficult stuff I can only imagine. I mean, it's just, but I knew inside, Dave, that I can, I, you know, I was going to walk. I just believed in my mantra of, of I can, I shall, I will. And I knew deep down inside, if I took one little step, I'll take two more, I'll take three more. And I challenged myself all the time to keep moving. And, but, but you mentioned a little bit earlier, Sean, you were saying you pushed too hard, too fast. Oh yeah, okay. What, what happened? Mm -hmm. I wanted to come back uh, way too fast and my brain couldn't keep up with me. And, and I, I crashed. What happened? Oh. I no, I mean not not that I crashed, not that I you know I was, I was in driving a car for at least eighteen months after that. Um, my brain was burning out. I was I, my I was on all these medications. I was you know you know when you take a, you you take me who's healthy and pure, organic, and not on any meds, and you put all these drugs in your body, and you and, and your brain and, and you're paralyzed. It's not a good combination. It was just you know no one knew what to do for me, and I would right. just. 
had freak outs. I was like, you know, I went from being an, a newborn kid all the way to five or six or seven. I mean, still 10 years. I still consider myself a 10 year old at times because I'm still relearning every day. I learn, I learn all new stuff. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. So uh, take me a little further along here. So you're okay. there seven months. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably about six months there at the f- first hospital. I mean, it's it's a slew of hospitals. It's just you, you know, I get down to um, oh, there's a story. So so this this what transformed me um, when when I was going to I was in in and out of rehab centers in San Diego. You know, some are inpatient, some are outpatient, some are community reentry where you learn how to walk to walk through a shopping market, which you take you know I take for you know for. For granted, you walk through a Trader Joe's or, or Whole Foods or Ralph's. So it's easy for me to navigate. Then stimulation, the lights, and everything else—it was too much, too impactful. It caused me headaches. It caused me to cry. All these small things really just keep, you know, and they led to things that just weren't weren't normal to me. So I had to relearn all that. And was there some kind of? Did you have like a breakthrough moment, Sean? That yes, said like yes, I can do yes. this. So, so let me share with you. So at that, at, at that outpatient rehab, I met a guy. I was paired up with a military guy, kid. He was in his 20s. And he was really, you know, you build a community inside the community. So because you want to hear about other people's stories and then their, their trauma to, to triumph. And I remember he was in his 20s and um, he, you know, he had operated. He'd gone to war, come back, banged up. And I don't remember the time if, if he was an amputee or double amputee or whatever it was. And he was part of, of, of the brain of, of the re- of the rehab with me. And I come in one, the, the, uh, the following week, you know, I have insurance. I have a little bit of money saved up to help me with, with what I'm doing. And this guy was released from the, from the, from the rehab program early. And when that all happened, I was like, this is bullshit. This guy served for us. He volunteered his life. And now Someone along the way says that he can go back home. He's in his 20s, got a, a new wife, a new, a new kid. And right then and there, I realized that my mission wasn't going to be about me. It was going to be about servicing others and giving others what they need to become independent again and be re- reintegrated. Because that military guy, that, that Marine, has no chance to survive in his, in, his, in, in his old world without getting rehab. The brain, David is so is so is so um intricate and complex that it takes many day, many thousands of hours if not years just to retrain it mm. and you know it's not like a wrist or a, an ankle or shoulder where, where all of a sudden you know you break it, it's going to heal all by itself this is this is a complex this is the this is this is the central nervous this controls the central nervous system of the whole body and everything gets fired everything will get triggered and i just knew that you know I, right, I realized right then and there, it, it was not, a, you know, I kept saying, why me, why me? And then I got to the point, Sam just pointed this out to me. He said, um, why not me? And that's when it clicked. I had the aha moment and said, you know, I got to make a difference. I know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to set up a nonprofit. My whole, my whole existence now came into play because I was now of service of others. Because I had to take the onus off of me and what can I do to somebody else? Because it's all about paying it forward. Wow. I mean, um, are, you, are you still in touch with that guy, the Marine? You know, no. I, you know, this is so long ago. I mean, it was so long ago. I'm, I, work, I work with the military now. I love those. I, lo- I, love the, I, I love the first responders. The people who serve for us, who protect our mm. kids and take care of our community deserve a lot more than what's given to them right now. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about, um, I, want, I want to get back to the journey in a second, but, sure, of course. you know, sure. this idea of, what are the, let's talk about the frequency of brain injury stroke. So how frequent is this? Every 45 seconds. Every 45 seconds, somebody has a severe yeah. brain oh, injury. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's probably been more the brain injury. And I think, I think for stroke, it's every 50 seconds. Wow. And the suicide rate rate for us is up even higher because at, you know, during the pandemic uh, COVID, there's no rehab facilities even open. I mean, they're oh, all right. Oh my God. Yeah. Where's the, where's the community? Where's, right. where's, where's my buddy? Hey, I'm having a bad day. I need to see somebody yeah. else is having a bad day. Let's share stories. Let's yeah. inspire each other. It's that human connections, that human contact will really program me to get better. I, you know, I yeah. met friends and met people here. We are in this pandemic. Nothing's open. I don't know right. how people are even going to make it through this. 
Um, so what happens to, I mean, in, it, I mean, you're, you're a, you know, as you said, a trauma to triumph story, but what happens to people who like just get released into the world after whatever it is, like, you know, 30 weeks, 10 weeks. And Great question that this is why I'm building, you know, a curriculum, a course books, the stroke hacker uh, community to really give these people and educate them on what they actually need because they do not know what they need. The family members don't, uh, don't know what they need and no one knows the steps in the program and the process to retrain the brain, to reboot mm. the brain with the body. It's really a mind, body, soul adventure, but no one knows how to connect all those dots. You know, you have the scientists over here, you have the chiropractors over here mm. and they're all needed. You know, the physicians, mm -hmm. the MDs and the body workers, the healers, you know, mm. people that we know, David, they need to work in both worlds. They need to be able to take what they need. And a lot of people just don't know what to do. Right. And it's just extract someone just because you're going to go through so much dark shit and dark and just dark stuff. And in order to do it, you're going to plateau. You might hit a certain level. You might give up. Mm -hmm. And if you don't give up, you just keep going. But it's also about a flow and keeping the balance, mm. which most people do not know how to do. It's like you got to if I could do a couple of things differently, I would have slept more and rested more and got off my phone, got away from trying to pay my bills run a company, make sales and keep my head in there. I should have just turned it all off and focused on my healing. That's why it took me a little bit longer to come back because I came back way too fast. Yeah. I think, I think that, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just a guy thing, but like, we're really, especially at that age, right. You're like, oh, yeah. you know, 40. So yeah. it's like, get it done now. Yeah. I can do this. Right. Right. I mean, we were looking, you know, we had portfolios of stock, you know, at the time going, Oh, you know, I'm thinking of 40, what am I going to do next? You know, right. it's like, okay. You know, I just, I just, I just was at, I was just at, with Shaq and in Florida. I'm, I'm, I'm running around with my good friend, Dan, uh, Dan Henderson for all of his fights. Life is great. I'm serving the community. I'm serving the military. You know, I've, traveling i'm doing things i'm i'm showboating i'm building i'm creating and then, then all of a sudden you know boom, boom you yeah. know i call i call it a stroke of luck i think god said to me i'm gonna tap you right now you're gonna go through some hard times but but when you come back you're gonna be of service and whether you call it god or spirit someone by all means let me live to, to tell my story so let's get let's get back to the the journey sure. here uh so you're you're out of the rehab in san diego and this mm -hmm. is like a year or so maybe less than a year into this oh but yeah no i mean within the first 12 months i mean I, I we had to leave san diego and come back to los angeles because i need to be uh, around my parents hmm. because i had to separate i had to separate from, uh, from my kids oh. which is so hard because they're you know they're 18 months and three years old they want to climb on me. They, they want to crawl on me. Every, every little bit of sound, every, every bit of shaking hurts my head. Right. I mean, I wanted to hold my kids. I want to change their diapers. I want, you know, I, before that, I'm at SeaWorld every other day. One kid's on my chest. One kid's on my shoulders. You know, the, the Bjorn, the shoulder strap. And here I go, super dad. We're going to SeaWorld, girls. Let's go SeaWorld. Let's go to the zoo. Let's go get it all. And now I come back and I'm disabled. I'm paralyzed. And I can't hold my daughters and they oh. want to kiss me and I can't. And so I had to be extracted from my, from my home with Stephanie and the kids brought back to my parents' house and they had to rehabilitate me here. Cause I needed the, I needed the calmness. What did, I mean, how did, how did that feel? Oh, it was, I, I still say to this day, I look at my children and go, wow, you know, these are mine and they may not get it now, they'll get it in time, but I, I fought for them, Dave. I really, really, I mean, I fought for my daughters. Yeah. That was the con, I, I fight for them every day, you know, because it's, I, I still have effects of the stroke, of course, but every time I get into position, I'm like, I just gotta pull through this because I got these two little girls who are counting on me. Right. I, I mean, I just, that, that realization, that moment where you're like, I can't be here with you guys. Yeah. Must have oh, yeah. Been just wrenching. Horrible, horrible, horrible. I mean, I wasn't able to fend for myself. How's, you know, how Stephanie's supposed to handle me and take care of those two girls who need her? Yeah. You know, she, I think she's still breastfeeding. I mean, it was so like, wow. It was crazy. I mean, it was, it, it's so hard. And so it took a toll on my body and my, on my 
on my psychology and my emotional healing. That was harder than the actual physical components was leaving, leaving my, my old life. But also too, what I realized, Dave, is my journey to come back was became a lot different once I got out there and started to be of service to people. And a friend of mine, one of our co-brothers um, in metal challenged me, his name is Ryan Kaltman, said to me, um, I think back in, in 2015, six years ago, or whatever it was, or seven years ago, he said, you know, I want you to document something, go for five minutes every day on Facebook Live, call it Five Minutes with Sean, and start talking about your stroke. Mm. And I'm sitting there holding this, this phone, I think it was like the iPhone 3 or 4 or 5, whatever it was at the time, in front of me, and I'm like, this is not going to work. Why, why do people want to hear about me? Well, what happened was maybe two people let, listened the first time, and I started doing these, these interviews in five minutes. So there's no podcast format. There's none of this good-looking stuff behind me, a backdrop. I'm sitting there holding the phone, doing this, going, okay, everybody. I'm not even sure if I've been turning it on like the right side. And it worked. I got through. I did, and Ryan said, do 30 shows in 30 days. I did 60 shows in 60 days. And those numbers started going from two to five to 10 to 100 to 1,000. And people started finding me on the internet. I mean, it was one time I walked the football field again and show people what, what, what it was like to get out on the football field and walk the whole distance of the football field. Well, that thing went viral. People started calling me the stroke hacker. You know, people started adopting my mantra. One guy actually took it and put a tattoo on his forearm. His name is Tony Baudet, which is great. I mean, so here I am being the, well, as soon as I found out I could help others and do service with, with others, that's when the pity party stopped. Mm. I had right. to stand in my own power because right. it was no longer about me, it was, it was about them. I have this visual of you on the football field and I haven't seen that video, but <laughs> yeah. like how, how many, how, how much time post stroke did that oh, take? Uh, okay. So yeah, so that probably took, uh, it's gotta be at least a, a two years, maybe a, a year and a half. I mean, there was a lot, I mean, understand just to learn to walk again. You know, yeah. I've done, I've done, I've done two, five kids. I've done a 10 K. A marathon, I thought about, I don't know if my body can, can handle that now, but I could do it if someone asked me to, but it's just, you know, it's, it's the willpower. And at the same time, the body, you know, my, my body is always in pain. It's in uh, pain eight, nine or 10 at different times. Cause I spasm. Oh, my wow. left side is not connected with my right side of my brain. And when my body goes in a spasm. It's like having pulled muscles, like waking up in the middle of the night with the worst pulled muscle. And it's how, knowing how to deal with it and how to flow with that and how to get out of that pain because that pain will come emotional, emotionally. And, yeah. you know, as we know, we, we breathe together, we talk to each other. You know, it's really about just letting go of that pain in any which way you can. Well, let, let's um, talk to me a little bit about like, how do you, you know, in your current life, mm -hmm. when you have, what's working for you? What are you, huh. what are you doing that works? Um, it's funny you say that. I mean, I get, you know, listen, um, there's a couple of, of modalities out there. One's the Theragun we talked about, who's, who's, who's my chiropractor's company, the Theragun. I use that vibrating percussor all the time on myself because without it, the pain just supersedes and then, then I can't function. I also, um, I, I also have some biohacking stuff in my house as well that Dave Asprey had in his place that I met the CEOs. People send me stuff just to validate it. You know, it's one of these things where I guess, you know, I'm known in the community and you never know. I'm going to get a call even by you, you know, with uh, Dimitri. It's just people send me stuff. I want to use it. If it works, I want to talk about it and promote it because, uh, there, because there's really no one solution for anyone with a brain injury. It's multiple. Uh -huh. People have to find their own paths on this. And so how did you, you know, we're now, how, how old are you now, Sean? I'm 49. So we're, we're now, you know, currently we're yeah. about nine years past. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so how did you man, like what you said, there's no single thing. There's this combination of stuff and everybody's got to figure it out, yeah. but the person in charge of that has a brain injury. Yeah. You. So, right. So how does that work? Okay. Great point. Now with me involved, I can help them. I'm 100% positive. I can help them take down their stress levels. I'll change their nutrition. I'll, 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 I'll trade their microbiome, which is the second brain in, in the gut. There's certain things that I would do now 
to help them get off certain things and get on to other things. I believe in cannabis is wonderful. You know, I believe in so many di different herbal stuff that I didn't have access to. I had to find out all the adventure was on me. How did you do that? That that's what I'm wondering, Sean, like, you know, back um, you, yeah. in the beginning, you're in charge, so, yeah. but you've got the brain injury. No, no, no. Back in the beginning, this was four or five years after my stroke. I mean, ah. this is when I started talking to people on the internet, started doing my own interviews. I'd find people who've been through similar stuff and then they would right. refer me to one of their friends who has something new. And right. then I started networking amongst all that. Oh, I see. And then just I, build the collective on that. And but yeah, I I'll I'll step into my power right now and say, I have the answers. I know I do. I can save people's marriages. I can save people's time and money and effort if they allow me, if they allow me to guide them and to be of service with, with them. I've been through it. I've spent already three or $4 million on my body. Easily. Right. Wow. Easily. But people say to me, Sean, what happened? I'm like, yeah, what happened to my finances? What's the price to walk? What's the price for the other thousand people to walk? Because if yeah. I'm taking steps, these people are taking steps. This is a priceless adventure for me. It'll, it, it'll, it'll all come around. But if I can get someone else to smile, if I can crack a smile on anybody, I won. I win. And that's my whole goal. Because, because I think these people, us, brain injury and stroke, we're so isolated and left to the side. Mm. Because people don't really know how to deal with us. Yeah. You know, it's just. It's very, um, I've had some experience with hospitals and. Uh, yeah sickness. And I know that people who are injured or really sick, they really scare other people. It's, yeah. it's really hard for you. Like, um, it's hard for other people. It, it's, I don't know, it affects some, like hits some kind of mortality button and it is difficult. Um, so I, I'm wondering like now, so are, are you driving? Yes. Oh yeah. I drive. I took the kids to San Diego two, I, I, two weeks ago. It was just me and them. One's 14 now and the other's 11. And the 14-year-old took her friend, got a couple of rooms down in San Diego, went to the beaches, you know, drove around and played teenage dad during <laughs> COVID, during all this stuff. It was, you know, it, it, it's great. Yeah, I'm very independent. There are some things I still, I still have, have issues with, but that's like, who doesn't? Um, but it's taken a lot, a lot of work to come back this far. And like, and what are your challenges today, Sean? Left side paralyzed. The left fingers don't want. So my right fingers can do this. I can't, I can't lift his left arm. Oh. And the left foot won't go heel to toe. So meaning when I walk, it's like, it's like walking on like a brick. And I can also turn my ankle. So there's always spasms and new neuropathways working. But as my body's now waking up, things are just, you know, just short circuiting at certain times. Yikes. But I do see movement all the time. And, and are you still involved in um, rehabilitative therapy or? Mm. You know, but not myself. You know, I, I people, I've, you know, I'll, I'll work with uh, UCLA, their stroke center. I'll work with certain stroke centers. But I like to work with people who are inventing the new technologies and the CEOs. Because when they, when, they, when they put them on me and then I use it and then I can educate my people or dumb it down. And explain yeah. to them what, what it does for them. I'm like that um, hyperlink or, or that, you know, that link in the fence that, that's going to connect the, you know, the founders and these guys with these companies to my crowd. Mm. And that's, why, yeah, that's I, it's all about the conversation. Yeah. Wow. And um, your parents, when you, how is that on them? Like you lived with them for a period of time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, well, well, Dave, I came back home um, to my parents are wonderful. My mother passed away two years after I got back home from brain cancer. Um, dad just had retired from being a doctor. He, he was an OBGYN, delivered 10,000 babies. So my father in my town was one of the most well-renowned doctors for, you know, ever in the OBGYN world. You're a clinical professor at USC, chief of, of the Tarzana Hospital out here. And... I tell everybody, you know, he, he went from being an OBGYN to being a neurologist, a neuroscientist, a, a neurosurgeon, to hepatologist, to, I mean, all kinds of doctors in one, because he had to take me on. Here, my mom is passing. That's a whole different journey that I don't mm. even talk about, really, that, you know, the dichotomy, getting to know my father again at the age of 40, because we never knew each other. My mm. dad was always working. He was never around. He was delivering sometimes three, four babies a day. Mm. 
So I mean, rebuilding his connection with him now, you know, learning about him, it's a blessing. At, you know, in the middle of it, you think it's a curse. But mm -hmm. who, who gets a second chance to meet, you know, to really spend time with their parents? And, you know, my mother said to me before she, before she died, she said, Sean, I had the chance to, uh, to raise you twice, once at birth and once again at 39 or 40. Mm -hmm. And I'm still that day, I still cry. I'm like, I think she took pleasure in both because I'm, I'm her kid. She, she went there to protect me. And that's mm -hmm. what, what we do for our children. That's beautiful. And where, where do you see yourself, Sean, in like, like five years ahead? <laughs> I want to, I, it's, my, it, it's my mission to transform a million people with brain injury and stroke. It, within the next five years, that's what I want to do. At that, at that, at that makes me become the face of the stroke world or the brain injury world, and I can help these people. Then so be it. I'm an entrepreneur by heart, marketing and love, love putting people together. But I have a certain gift. You know, there's Dave Asprey, the biohacker, and the Shauna and the stroke hacker. But whatever name they want to give me, I just know I can do so much good, goodwill for people because. They, I know being in pain and mental pain is harder than being in physical pain. Wow. And, you know, with during COVID, were, were you able to stay in touch with your community? Uh, yes. You know, just like all of us, Zoom or, you know, um, there's, you know, yeah, I mean, the computer. I mean, yeah, of course, my groups, my communities, my, my community is global. I got people all over the world. So it's not like I'm going to one center you know, in Los Angeles, I built a little center in my house that we, that we might bring somebody through here and now, but will I maybe open up centers someday? I, maybe I will, um, some stroke hacking centers if people want to get behind it because I, I can help people with that, but that's not, on my, on, that's not on my mission at this moment. There's a lot of other things I want to still do. You, you know, we've mentioned about your physical journey and how intense the emotional journey was, and you also mentioned your soul. Yeah. What did you mean by that? You want to go there with me? I'm here, buddy. What you got? Okay. okay. So <laughs> um, in my coma, I died and I crossed over. Okay. I saw the other side. I played on the other side for 10 days. There's a whole nother afterlife. Another place that only people can dream of seeing. And I saw that journey. And... I look forward to going back when my time is, is called, but I knew it wasn't my time then. And one of the experiences I, I tell people, because it's amazing, I'll, I'll tell you because we're having fun in this conversation, I'll be, I'll be on stage, I'll tell the story, I'll talk, I'll talk all about the craniectomies and the surgeries and the rehabilitation, but I always leave this part out for the end because the end is what people want. So in my coma, I'm traveling the world, I'm over, I'm, I'm flying everywhere. I'm at places I've never seen before. Never have been to. Costa Rica was actually one of them. So all over that island knew where everything was. It was calling to me. I was, you know, and then the other thing was my grandfather, who was my mom's dad, was my best friend. He passed away years ago. We'd go golfing every Saturday. Every Saturday was our day to go golfing. He pulls up next to me in the golf cart. Golf cart's empty. And I said to, I said to, I said to him, I said, Papa, um, let me go with you. He goes, you can't come with me. I said, what do you mean I can't come with you? He goes, you cannot come with me this time. And I started crying. I was like, you never said no to me in all the time. He goes, today, he used to call me Shaunala. He said, Shaunala, you're not going with me. And, um, and he, he, he walks the first tee, puts a ball down, takes his club, swings through the ball, hits the ball into this white light way up, gets in the cart, drives up and follows this ball. As that's happening, I'm feeling hands pull me back or pull me towards him. He cut it off, sent me back, and I woke up. That's how I woke up from my coma. Wow. Yeah. Certain things that, you know, we don't talk about. There's certain things that it's already so intense of a story that you know, when I start to go there, people want to know about, about the afterlife. I think it's different for everybody, but I think we're all on the same journey together. And this is our time to make a difference in this world. I mean... What, what we can do to be of service of each other. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's the belief, you know, I just, I, I, I tell people, and I love this, you know, I love this word. Don't believe in the impossible. Believe I am possible. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and it's just, and just keep going. I mean, it's just, believe, you know, I, I just tell people, just put the, put it in your hand. I can, I shall, I will. And Sam Morris pointed this out to me again. The reason he goes, you know what you need to do at the end of your mantra is put, I did it. <laughs> and he's, he's right. You know, he's, he's the, I love him. He's so right on. I mean, it, you know, you know, but life's interesting, David, the journey is different for us every day. You know, you've been yeah. through some stuff. I've been through some stuff and I tell people just keep going, you know, you know, I've been through that. I've been through the stages of suicide, been through the stages of serious psychosis, you know, on heavy meds and, you know, and self, you know, self, not self-induced, but following the prescriptions of certain people. And those weren't right for me. And I found mm. my own way of coming back and people have to find their own path, but they have to also rise above what they even expect of themselves. I, what I find, you know, r- remarkable about your story is for other people that you go to now, you, you have experience, you have credibility and you can say, okay, this is what this is going to feel like. This is what happens. But for you, there wasn't that person. No. Like you had to figure it out. Yeah. I built, I built the curriculum. I, I built the course on how to recover from a stroke. I mean, I, I, I'm going to have it. It'll, it'll be out. It'll be ready probably within about six months. But I'm working on it right now. So when people don't, are not seeing me showing up on social media, I'm busting my ass to give them a solution that they can take home with them now and watch this four-hour movie about what they're about to go through. It's not going to just educate them, but it's going to educate their loved ones, their kids, their, their parents, their, their husbands, their wives. Because if people just listen to me a tiny bit, they're going to be better. They're, you're, you're going to be okay. What, what's the message that you want to give to the caregivers out there, to the people who are oh, know, around the stroke um, victims? Yeah. In the beginning, your loved ones are going to hate you. They're going to curse at you. They're going to make you wrong because they don't understand. Whatever they say, stand there, stay there in like, you know, stay in, in the breakwater. Imagine your rock and the waves coming to hit you. Be that rock for the wave to hit you. Don't, don't move with that wave. Stay stationary on that sand and on that beach. Be the biggest rock that you can and create the space for your loved one to come at you because they don't know what's going on. Their whole life is turned upside down. They're trying to refigure their, you know, their, their brain working with their body and yet their emotional and their anxiety and their stress that as the loved one, hold on tight, get help yourself and, and make sure I tell the loved ones, I said this to people, don't go to the hospital and stay there for weeks at a time. You can't do anything. Go get yourself ready, go, go for a run, go for a meditation, Go see, go, go do whatever you got to do because your job's about to come. When that person comes home from, from, from the hospital, it's all in that family. And if they don't take care of themselves, you, you've heard the expression where, you know, you put the oxygen on yourself first when you're descending and then on your child or your loved one next. Same thing. Got to take care of you. And that family member has got to take care of that, of that person before they take care of that survivor. Yeah. Boy. Sean. <laughs> well, thank you, David. You know, it's what a story. Challenging, challenging because today I was just having my own, you know, anxiety and withdrawals. Because listen, I, you know, telling my story and, and now being referring to it as an incident and not an accident is much better for me because then I was, I, I'm, I'm in control of it. And every time I tell it, mm. I bring the emotion. I'm, I'm going to cry. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to lose my, I'm, I'm going to lose my train of thought. But that's just who I am. You know, it's just, I have to be vulnerable and just open for it. Yeah. And thank you. And thank you for creating the space for me to be there with you on that. And if some people want to, if, if they have a loved one or they're, how would they get in contact with you? The strokehacker.com. Okay. Strokehacker.com. You know, I, I've been, I, I'm all over. I've been on, I've been in the media, I've been on CNN, ABC, and I'm there. I'm available and my, and my people are there ready to help people because we have to. Yeah. It's priceless. You can't even look at what's, you know, there's no such thing as a ticket to walk again or a ticket to learn to speak, learn to drive a car, learn to become independent. You know, what's the price for independence? People don't realize when it's taken away, away from you, what are you left with? Mm. Humbling. And it's well, humbling you. to, and it's humbling to like observe you and, and to have gotten yeah. to know you. And well, thank you, Dave. You know what, too, I'll, I'll say this. Is that mm. you gotta you gotta have fun out of some of this. You gotta find you gotta find <laughs> the humor. People have to find the humor in what's actually happening because when you start looking at it from not from a place of being the victim, right? From a place of being 
humorous about it and go, God, I'm really now fucked up. How am I going to fix myself? <laughs> it's quite ironic that you're like, I mean, look, I've been, I, I, I've done sessions where I've showed people how they had to shut me down to go to the bathroom the first time. I mean, just to learn how to, how to go poop. I mean, the amount of craziness that we go through, it's like, I, how many people wipe my ass through all those years? Right. But I want to pay respect and thank them because I couldn't wipe my own ass. Right. And being a male adult and not being able to wipe your own ass really sucks. But it's, <laughs> it's, fuck, it's funny. It's like, you know, I think, I don't know how many people have changed my diapers in, in the last, you know, at that time, but it needed to get done. Yeah. And, and I would do the same for somebody else. Of course I would. Yeah, that's right. It's, um, and I, it, it's, to me, it's that, it's that crossover moment you had where it's, it's, it's like, it's not just about me. How can I help others? Exactly. And, and then the whole thing changes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about me. It's about we. I mean, because it's every person who's going to touch that, that strokes flavor in that family is yeah. owed gratitude and love to. It doesn't, I don't care if it's the person who's coming in that hospital room, cleaning the sheets, taking out the trash. It's the orderly who's changing your, your pick lines, you know, your, your catheters. Everybody matters. Everybody yeah. matters. Everybody. You don't have to have an MD or a license or letters next to your name to know that you're being cared for. And people just have to understand with kindness and humility and love that they all matter. Everybody matters. That's going to help. I mean, Thousands of people helped me. I would have been, I would have been dead. I should have died during, dur uh, during the stroke and, or I would have killed myself. Mm. Hands down. I wouldn't have been here. I didn't have the knowledge. Yeah. Boy, um, that's quite something. Well, thank um, you. And I thank you I, for your time. I so appreciate your sense of humor. No, we have to have it, right? Um, Sean, so great to have you on the show. I really appreciate your your time and your sharing your experience. David, um, I'm, I love you. The pleasure is all mine. And thank you for, for, for spending the space with me and the time to, to, just to hear my story. And let's, by you talking about me and talking about the stroke hacker world, I think we can transfer so many lives. And I thank you for your platform just to talk about it. Absolutely. Take care, man. You too. You take care, bud. Thanks everyone for listening to the Super Age Podcast. It's wonderful to have you with us on this journey. You know, we're, we're only here because of all of you. You inspire us every day. And we're hoping that everyone was inspired by Sean. Sean's really quite a guy. He's, boy, what a road he's traveled. For anyone who's interested, um, because there's a lot of people out there, right? So every 45 seconds, there's a brain injury or there's someone suffers a stroke and that's gonna have a ripple effect to everyone in their family, their friends, their caregivers. So if you want to get in touch with Sean and his organization, um, we're leaving those contact information in the show notes. Please, today, if you liked the show, leave us a comment, leave us a rating, wherever you're listening, iTunes, Spotify, that's so helpful to us. And please tell your friends about us. We really appreciate that. Everyone, have a wonderful week. We're going to see you again next week. Take care now. Bye.